Amazing. If I'm not mistaken, we didn't finish paragraph three inside. Is that correct? Is anybody following inside in the Hebrew? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, we didn't start it. Okay, amazing. So I think that, um, that we have enough background, and I'll just give a little bit of a reminder of what we've discussed, to then go into this paragraph inside, which will then lead us into the next, the next question. So, so far we said, Ani Ladodi Vadodi Li. Ani Ladodi, I am to my beloved, represents the Jewish people's initiation of a relationship with Hashem, which happens in the month of Elul. Vadodi Li, and my beloved is to me, is Hashem's, Hashem's revelation to the Jewish people, which happens during the, what's called the Yomim Noraim, right? During Tishrei, during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And we said that this is represented specifically, the Dodi Li is represented by the verse in Shir Hashem, Smolo Tachat Laroshi, Viyamino Tachat Keni, that is left hands under my head, that Hashem's Yira is revealed during the 10 days of Teshuvah from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, the awe of Hashem as he reveals himself in all his splendor as a king, and that during Sukkot we have Yamino Techav his right hand embraces us, where we celebrate our relationship with Hashem during Sukkot and Simcha Torah in a way of joy, Simcha and love, much more love. Um, so that's what we discussed until now. And we discussed that this revelation of Hashem's kingship during the 10 days of, Tesh- um, of Teshuvah from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, is revealed in all of the worlds, not only in our world. Actually, not, it's more like the opposite. Hashem reveals himself in his full glory to the angels and to the souls who really experience it on a level we don't. And that trickles down all the way to our world, our reality down here, to the point where we had that discussion yesterday. There are people who come to Shon Yom Kippur for all different reasons, but at the end of the day, they're coming to Shon Yom Kippur, right? They're coming to Shon Yom Kippur, which is a big, big, big deal, especially when Many other aspects of Judaism don't excite them, don't push them. This specific thing is happening. There's a revelation happening during that, during that time, which trickles down from the revelation in the upper spiritual worlds. We're going to discuss throughout the year what we mean when we say the upper spiritual worlds. Uh, we can't really, bless you. Uh, we're going to discuss the breakdown of the different worlds and all of that. Um, but especially because there are those of you who are here for Elul, we'll focus, I think, a little more on the content of the Mimer, and then we'll break off into classes to discuss different aspects of Hasidut and Kabbalah throughout the year. Okay, so when we say spiritual worlds, just there are more worlds than this one that we know, where the angels are found, where the souls are found, um, where the Mazalot, the constellations, etc., those different um, spiritual energies are found in different spiritual worlds. So Umizeh, we are on, we are in chapter, not chapter one, paragraph number three. And from this, so from this revelation that we discussed that happens in the upper spiritual worlds during the 10 days of awe, this revelation draws down, all the way down here, to the souls of the Jewish people. It wakens them up to, uh, to accept the yoke of the kingship of heaven, alehem, on themselves. And their fear should be on their face. It awakens us to have an emotion of yira for Hashem. So, remind me your name, sorry? Liora. Liora, you, you asked a question yesterday. What do we mean when we say fear, right? So he said, very, very, very basic elementary child fear is, I'm scared of punishment. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here when we say fear. We mean that we take God seriously, right? 
when the king is standing right in front of you, you take what he says much more seriously. You take offending him much more seriously, right? And we respect him in a way that we didn't before. So this fear, which we'll call this awe, falls upon us in the days of 10 days of Teshuvah, and it lasts, and the hope is that it lasts, kol that it should be in the soul of the Jew for the entire year. So there's this condensed revelation of Hashem during this time, which awakens us to a very powerful awe of Hashem, which the hope is that it will last us until the next Rosh Hashanah, right? Because we don't work the whole year to serve Hashem so that on Rosh Hashanah we can feel guilt-free and be like, sit and show like, I don't have anything to repent for this Rosh Hashanah, right? We have Rosh Hashanah to reconnect to the truth of our relationship with Hashem, to, re, to take our relationship with Hashem seriously again, recommit to our Judaism so that the following year can be one of a relationship, right? So also for Shabbat, do we work the whole week for Shabbat? Or do we have Shabbat to prepare us for the next week? That's a debate, and both are true. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we have Shabbat so that our following week can be infused with the inspiration of Shabbat. We have this revelation of Hashem's year of Hashem's kingship during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur so that we can carry that with us for the entire year. So that's why it says Kol Hashanah. Ki, why is it that Hashem needs to reveal himself in this way in an aspect of Dodi Li? On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, ki yirat Hashem va'avato, because the emotions of awe and love for Hashem, eina asuya v'natuya, are not made and planted, belev ha'adam, in the heart of a man, mikoch atzmo, from his own power. Ki imrada mikoch he'ha'ara, from the power of this revelation, ha'nimshachalav milamala, which draws down onto him from above, in the time where it is revealed, which is referring to Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, this level and aspect of Yira. This is what we mean when we talk about Vadodili, that Hashem initiates, Hashem initiates in the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and this awe of Hashem, which is a true emotion, gets planted into the heart of the Jew, which it's an emotion that he can't, achieve all on his own. He needs help. We are born Jewish, but we are not born excited about God, right? Um, that we have to work on. We are not born passionate that we have to work on, and sometimes we need help. And that help comes in the form of this splendor and grandeur that Hashem reveals himself to the, all of the world, even to our souls on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and plants this awe into our hearts, which will hopefully last for the entire year. However, it's necessary in order to achieve this level of dodili, of truly internalizing this gift of awe and emotion and passion for a relationship with Hashem. We first need to awaken on our own, as much as we can, the love and fear. By initiating on our own, which is called Anila Dodi. Shehi which is an Elo. So if we truly want to internalize the revelation and the gift, Lesi, which is Dodi Li, which is given to us on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we need to first do our own effort and try on our own to awaken the love of Hashem and fear of Hashem in our hearts. And when does this happen? When's the time for our efforts to be put in place? During Elo. During Elo. So the more we invest in Elo, the more this revelation will actually have a lasting impact on the rest of our year. The revelation will come. Whoever goes to Shul Yom Kippur will feel something. 
I'm not guaranteeing anybody anything, but many people will come, they'll have, they'll have experiences, right? When everybody's saying Shema Yisrael together at the end of Yom Kippur, right? It's, you f- feel something, right? It's like, whoa, Hashem is real, right? You have that like, oh wow, okay. There's something stirring in your heart over there. If you want that feeling to remain throughout the rest of the year, you gotta put the work in an Elul. Because if you don't put the work in an Elul, you don't make your heart, you don't make who you are a vessel to actually be able to retain this inspiration. And that causes the inspiration to come, to be, give you a very nice Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, and to leave. And then what do you have with you the rest of the year, right? So this is, we could stop here. The mimer could end right here. If the altar is not gonna, wouldn't throw this bombshell question onto us, which we're gonna get into now, Anila Dodi Vododili makes sense, right? I am to my beloved. In Elo, we put the effort in on our own terms. We put our own work in without any inspiration. And that leads Hashem to reciprocate with a Vododili on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur with a revelation from above, which then we can receive, internalize, and have with us, hold with us for the rest of the year. Okay. Any questions or comments? I have a question. Um, do you think it's more important to fast or to go to shul? Definitely to fast. So you'd say not like, me, not Halacha says. It's not my opinion. Definitely yeah, yeah, to fast. Like you're to sleep right, it's like you're if it means you're going to be in bed all day, not going to say a word of prayer, mm-hmm. to fast is more important. Okay, so, yeah. so then what makes like fasting such an important part of Yom Kippur? If Tachlis, like, mm-hmm. like Yom Kippur is judging day, like, like, my like fasting. Oh, that's a good question. First of all, Yom Kippur is not judgment day. <laughs> Maybe we could say Rosh Hashanah's Judgment Day. Yom Kippur is Forgiveness Day. Yom Kippur is Forgiveness Day. Um, That's a very good question. First of all, basic, basic answer, because it says clearly in the Torah that we shouldn't eat on Yom Kippur. Um, Many, most of the fasts that we have, we have six fasts throughout the year, doesn't say explicitly in the written Torah, right? It's brought from, you know, different explanations, different sources. Yom Kippur, it's like clearly in the Torah, you do not eat. Um, so why don't we eat on Yom Kippur? Because Hashem told us. That's, that's the basic. Okay, now let's discuss that. What is, what's going on? On Yom Kippur, it says about Yom Kippur that the day itself atones. And this is what we're going to be, we're going to be continuing to discuss. This is the discussion of Elul. We've been discussing so far that there is us as we show up in our service of Hashem, as we show up on Shabbos, as we show up on Rosh Hashanah, and then there's the time, Right? And there's a significance of how Hashem infused that time. Yom Kippur, the day of Yom Kippur, did something special about the day itself. So just the fact that we lived through the day of Yom Kippur affects something. That's the basics. If you want to be forgiven, Yom Kippur. Then there's a big, big debate in the Gemara, which is, okay, what about somebody who purposely didn't fast on Yom Kippur? Is he going to be forgiven? And the answer is no. If you couldn't fast, da, 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 there's, you know, some people, them not fasting is them doing the, is them doing the big mitzvah, which is to stay alive, right? We're not supposed to injure ourselves in any way when it, comes to, when it comes to fasting. But for most of us, to purposely decide, I'm not fasting on Yom Kippur, is Hashem gonna, and then to expect Hashem to forgive you. The, 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 the crux of the answer is, we need to initiate something small to tap into the resource a tremendous revelation of the day of Yom Kippur. What's that thing that we need to do? We need to fast. We need to disconnect a little bit from 
ourselves, which is eat, 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 eat right? And we do, we do other things as well. Um, a husband and wife cannot have marital relations. Also, it's a clear prohibition in the Torah. Um, as well, we don't wear regular shoes, etc., etc. But those, those two are the main are the main things of fasting and not having intimate relations on, on Yom Kippur. We do something, make an effort. We separate ourselves a little bit from from what we can call, I guess, the animalistic tendencies that we have, so we can tap into the day. And then the day does the rest. The day does the rest. And we're going to discuss that here because it's brought up. Why, why is Yom Kippur such a special day? Why is Yom Kippur Yom Kippur? Why doesn't Yom Kippur fall out today? Why is today not Yom Kippur? Why is the 10th of Tishrei Yom Kippur? Does anyone know? Um. I think what we were saying yesterday is that it was when the second Moshe came down with the second tablet. Right. It was after the sin of the golden calf, which happened right before, uh, right at the beginning of Elul. And Hashem gave the first set of tablets. Moshe came down with them, saw that the Jewish people were worshipping golden calf, smashed the tablets, right? And then on the first of Elul, Moshe went back up the mountain for 40 days to pray for, to Hashem to forgive the Jewish people. Hashem was very, very, very very upset with the Jewish people. He said, let's just scratch this now and start again from you. Like, what do I need these people for? And for 40 days, from the 1st of Elul until the 10th of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur, Moshe prayed and begged and pleaded with Hashem to forgive the Jewish people. So it's a time of returning. What was Moshe doing? And what were the, by the way, what were the Jewish people doing during this time? They were doing Teshuvah. It's not like the Jewish people continued to serve their golden calf while Moshe was up there. They started to repent as well. It was a time where the entire Jewish people were repenting, repenting and praying to Hashem to forgive them until the 10th of Tishrei when Hashem said, Salachti Kedvaracha, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he, um, it says that, that, he, that Hashem himself inscribed the letters of the Luchot, onto the Luchot. The first set of tablets, Hashem brought down the tablets literally physical physical tablets made of sapphire from up on high from under his kisea kavod and inscribed the words not inscribed um engraved the words of the aserva that they brought onto them the second luchot moshe brought this provided the sapphire from physical means right and hashem engraved the letters into it and hashem gave us luchot and hashem forgave us so it's a time of forgiveness. And more specifically, Moshe realized this is an auspicious time. This is a time of forgiveness. And I know the Jewish people, they're going to sin again. So he realized this is the time to ask Hashem to teach him his tricks. That's what he said. Hashem, first he said, Hashem, show me your face. Show me everything. Teach me everything. Tell me everything. And Hashem said, you will not see my face, but I can show you my back. You won't see the truth of who I really am, but you can see the way I engage and work with the world. And one of the things that Hashem taught Moshe while he was up on the mountain was what's called the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim, which we're going to discuss. The 13 attributes of mercy, which Hashem said, you can invoke when you need me to forgive you. This Moshe invoked these 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem forgave the Jewish people on Yom Kippur. And we have these 13 attributes of mercy today. And we're going to actually continue discussing that. Um, that these Yud Kimomidatarachamim. So why specifically? So so Rosh, Yom Kippur is not a day of judgment. Yom Kippur is a day where the day itself is raised up 
to such a high level and Hashem starts to interact with the Jewish people on this day from a place that's beyond judgment, from a place that's beyond give and take, from a place that's beyond what's called reward and punishment, from a place of the true essential connection that the Jew has with Hashem. That true essential connection that can never be broken no matter what we do is revealed on the day of Yom Kippur. We need to, to tap into that. We need to do something. The Torah tells us we need, to, we need to pray, right? We need to ask Hashem to forgive us. We need, to, we need to re-establish our passion for our connection with Hashem. But what do we really need to do? We need to fast. Hashem says that's a bare minimum. Fast. Separate yourself a little bit. Take this day seriously. Fast and you'll be forgiven. The day itself atones. There are even opinions that say if you don't fast, you'll be, you'll be forgiven. It's, it's a debate. It's a debate in the Mara. From what I remember, the conclusion was you've you got to fast, right? And obviously, again, for those who cannot fast, um, them not fasting is them fasting because they are staying alive. You have a question? No, I, I actually read something the other day. Um, it was by like Rabbi Leiz and Malamud, like Kamini Alaka. They said that some people actually like during the whole of um, Elul, they fast like, during the day and also like they eat in the night, kind of like Ramadan, but also to like get that sense of like, I want to disconnect to Tachlis and reconnect. Interesting. I was like, well, that's intense. Like back in the day, it was like- Elul was a time where they would fast. Yeah, they fast wow. like, all day. And then obviously like just in the night. That's be. very interesting. But then physically like we evolved and it seemed too dramatic. Because for us today, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a long shot. Um, Yom Kippur is like, you know, stressful, <laughs> stressful enough to Shabbat. Um, but yeah, that essentially, and again, so the basic answer why we fast is because it says in the Torah, we need to fast on Yom Kippur explicitly. And so we fast, right? And then we can look at, you know, the deeper meanings of maybe why we fast. Um, okay. So we could technically end the manner right now, except that... There is a very interesting opinion brought by the Arizal regarding these Yod Kimumbi regarding these 13 attributes of mercy, which we said are revealed very strongly on Yom Kippur and more specifically throughout the entire time of the 10 days of Teshuvah from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. It's brought down clearly that the Yod Kimumbi this very, very powerful revelation of Hashem's mercy, which transcends which transcends the give and take um, and the order of the world, which is you did something wrong, you got to pay for it, right? It transcends that and, and um, allows it to be a real time of Teshuvah. The Ariza, have you guys heard of the Ariza? Rabbi Isaac Luria? He passed away in Tzfat. He's buried in Tzfat. He says, and we know this because his student Rabbi Chaim Vital wrote, wrote down his teachings, that the Yud Gimel Midot are revealed throughout the entire month of Elul as well. Not only is this revelation revealed in the 10 days of Teshuvah, the Dodili, where Hashem is initiating, which makes sense. Yud Gimel Midot Hashem is initiating, Hashem is giving everything he's got, right? But in Elul it's revealed as well. Now that's a problem, right? Why is that a problem? Based on what we learned until now. Why would it be a problem to say that the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim are revealed during the month of Elul? Because it's time of awe. Like, it's a time of awe? Yeah. And it's, and it's here, like, the Rachamim, it's here, like, the opposite. Oh, that's an interesting point. 
Rachamim is mercy, and or sounds like the opposite of mercy. Two different emotions. Okay, that's an interesting point. To think about that. What else? Did we we didn't receive the thirteen attributes yet until Yom Kippur? Okay, that's also that's also a good point that Hashem revealed it during the time right before Yom Kippur. Although it says that that whole time period of the forty the forty days Moshe was up the mountain, he was begging, he was learning, he was they were interacting. What does it take to get Hashem to forgive the Jewish people? But definitely that it's very powerfully known on Yom Kippur when we were forgiven. It's also yeah. Based on what we've discussed until now, where would the problem be? It, it doesn't make sense because you're saying that Hashem only reveals himself during like after like after Rosh Hashanah, like Vedo Right. So it doesn't make sense if he starts to like reveal half of these attributes in the month of Elul, but we're trying to go. Right. We said that Elul is Aniladodi. We initiate. Hashem doesn't help us out. We're, we're the ones making the effort. It's a regular, it's a regular month, right? And in that regular month, it's an opportunity to prepare for Rosh Hashanah, right? And to truly reconnect to our Judaism, reestablish our relationship with Hashem and make the effort from ourselves, not in a way that was given to us for free, but actually on our own, with our own efforts. And then Hashem responds with the Yud Gimel Rachamim, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So what do we mean that the Yud Gimel Rachamim are revealed in Elo? Does that make sense? To stress that, I wanna just speak a little bit about the Yud Gimel Rachamim, like what, what are we talking about? Does anyone, have you heard of this concept before? The 13 attributes of mercy? No, okay. So some yes, some no. Uh, the truth is, it's <laughs> taken me quite a few years to like try and really understand what it is. Um, where does this number thirteen come from, right? Thirteen in thirteen in like the non-Jewish world is an unlucky number, right? Does anyone know why? I was wondering this morning. I was, I was like, why is thirteen an unlucky? Does is there like a reason, or did someone just decide it? Oh, specifically Friday? Because <laughs> yeah. I heard there's some apartment buildings that like don't have yeah. a 13th floor. Really? American. Yeah. 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 So there was one Friday on the 13th of something and, and it was like something bad happened. And... Okay. Really? Yeah. Every plane? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to check that out next time. Okay, so something so interesting because... Um, Judaism, right? A boy becomes bar mitzvah at the age of thirteen, and we have the thirteen um, attributes of mitzvah. Thirteen is a thirteen is a great number. So I was like wondering why is it happens. Okay, um, interesting. So so where does thirteen come from? There's the idea that Hashem runs the world with the ten sefirot. Have you heard of this idea? Right, we have them over here. Um, we're going to be throughout the year. Who are those who have throughout the year? We're going to be going back and back and back and back to this idea. Um, the philosophers call these, these ten sphere the ten midot, ten, so to speak, angels or creations that Hashem uses to run the world. Because in philosophy, there's God and there's creations and there's nothing in between, right? There's God and then there's angels and creations that he uses to help him facilitate creation. Uh, Kabbalah comes along and says, no, there's actually three things. There's God, there's godliness, and there's creations, okay? So when we learn about the Tenth Sphere, we learn from the perspective of Kabbalah, which is that they're Sphirot. So they're called Sphirot by Kabbalah, which means lights, which are, so to speak, an extension of the source of light, Hashem. Not a creation, but lights, an extension of the source. Maybe a channeled extension, right? As opposed to Midot, which are characteristics, which are creations with which Hashem uses to run the world. 
So when we say Sfirot, the ten Sfirot are the ten lights of Hashem, which he uses to channel his light into running the world. It's the blueprint of the creation of the entire world and also the soul of every single Jew is made up of this blueprint, of this blueprint as well. And we have ten. In Kabbalah, there's nine. Malchut is not considered a sphera. It's already considered a, like, the beginning of creation, but Hasidot includes Malchut as a sphera. So we have ten. So when we say Yud Gimel Midot, the 13 attributes, 13 characteristics, what, what, where, where's 13 here? We have 10. Where does 13 come in? I was always confused by this. Um, I, learned to re- I, like, I think I got it recently, so like, if I'm not explaining it well enough, I like, just have to come back next year. I think it takes every year, I like, think I understand a little bit more. Um, the idea is that above the 10, we have something called Keser, which throughout the year, again, we're going to discuss this at length, what's Keser versus the rest. Keser is beyond creation. So we have the spiritual worlds, which are made up of the ten spherot, and beyond all of those spiritual worlds is something called keser. Keser means a crown. It sits above. It sits on top. It's such a high revelation of Hashem that it doesn't fit into the framework of any worlds whatsoever because a world means a framework, means a limitation. Within keser, we have three levels, and this is literally, like, don't ask me questions on it. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what they are, which are called arich, Atik and Orein Sof. Okay, there's the internal aspect of Keter, the Primiut of Keter. Then there's the external aspect of Keter, how Keter manifests itself outwardly. And then there's Orein Sof, the light of Keter. Orein Sof literally means the infinite light. And these three levels are what we're talking about when we speak about the Yud Gimel Midot Tarachamim. We're speaking about the ten Sfirot plus three aspects of Keter. Keter is Hashem's light, which is so powerful that it actually doesn't penetrate into this world because it's just too powerful. And if it would, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Not only this world, but also the spiritual ones. Also the angels and also the souls above. Yeah. So if you understand the three aspects of Keter, like what are their names? Arich, Aleph, Reish, Yud, Kaf. Atik, which I think is with an iron. I, ooh. I, this is so stressful. This is on recording. Um, ayin taf yud kuf. I think it's with an ayin, but it could be with an aleph. I'll have to check. And then or ein sof. Or aleph vavresh. Ein aleph yud nun. Or means light. Ein means no. And sof, samach vav pei, which means end. A light that has no end. Something that has no end is infinite. The or sof does have a beginning, however. What's the beginning of or sof? Hashem. Hashem in his essence, is the truth of Oren Sof, and then the light just goes and goes and goes because it's an infinite light. Because Hashem is infinite and it's reflecting the infinity of Hashem. So when we speak about the Yud Gimel Midot Tarachamim, usually, usually as in throughout all the rest of the days of the year, aside from, well, now we just learned Elor and the 10 days of Or, right, Tishrei, Hashem runs the world with the 10 Sfirot. Within the Ten Sfirot, we see clearly that there's a right side, there's a left side, there's a middle side, there's up, there's down, there's order. There's a clear order of creation. And the way that that manifests for us means that there's a clear order and way that we relate to Hashem, right? You do something against Hashem's will, Hashem is not going to be happy with you, right? You do something according to Hashem's will, Hashem will be happy with you, right? And what does it mean for Hashem to be happy? It's another whole discussion. Um, But there's a clear order of events. We do things well, and we get rewarded. Maybe not in this world, right? We look around, there are people who do amazing things and who are serving Hashem in an amazing way, and they suffer in this world, right? So 
in the next world they're going to get rewarded, right? Um, however, what, so that's the way Hashem channels his rachamim, and specifically the sephir of um, Tiferet. Do you see the yellow one? Represents rachamim, Hashem's mercy. Hashem channels his mercy through channels, which means through limitations. So you want Hashem's mercy, you've got to earn it. Right? You want Hashem's mercy to come down? There's a way that, in, there's an order of events. What's the Yud Gimel Midot It's the source of the Rachamim. It's the source of Hashem's mercy. It's where the whole concept of Hashem being merciful comes from in the first place, which exists in this very, very high level called Keter, or in Sof, infinity. And so when we say that Hashem's Rachamim is revealed in the world, in the way of Yud we mean that it's completely unbridled, unchanneled, unlimited rachamim, unlimited mercy. As opposed to the rest of the year where Hashem deals with the world in a merciful way, but in a channeled way, in a limited way. Does that make sense? But when is unbridled mercy? Whenever the Yud are revealed. The Yud exist all the time. Right? Kesser is there always. Not like Kesser just comes into the picture during this time. But it's revealed down here in the same potency that it is up there in its unlimited state during, well, the common understanding was from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, the Chiddush of the Arizal is also during Elul. Also during Elul, this infinite merciful level of Hashem is manifest all the way down here as it is infinite above. Usually, when we want to get something from all the way up in Chochmah Vatzilot, from very, very high levels of godliness, we want to get it down here, it needs to be contracted and contracted and limited and limited and limited and channeled till we can actually receive it. So what we're receiving is not the same thing really from all the way up there. It's much more limited. The, the advantage, the... What's the word? The truth of the Yud Gimel is that somehow Hashem figured out how to take his unlimited mercies as they are in an unlimited form and put them down here into limited people and into a limited world. You had a question? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we see that this, the seven zero, like, I think we see the symbol a lot and we don't actually know. Could there be a day that you take to go over what that means? Or Definitely. That, like, completely distract from I think, I think that that's a very good, yep, yep, I think we should. I think we should. I did that in the, in the summer program as well. We only had, I don't remember what it was, five weeks, and we actually did take um, a day or two to discuss it um, because it's like, what is this weird, right? And you see it sometimes in like these like, spots, you see it all the time, these like different diagrams. Um, yes. So I'm going to present the question. I'm going to present the question today of the Alter Rebbe. And tomorrow we're going to take a break and we're going to learn about the spirit a little bit. Okay? And then we'll go back because I think we have enough time. Um, there's, it's, it's an evolving discussion, mainly because I don't know many, <laughs> most of the stuff when it comes to this. Um, but this is really, I'll, in, in two words today, and I'll elaborate tomorrow, um, it's the chiddush. Does anyone help me out? What's, how do you say chiddush in English? Like, but like a new... Like a new um, Right. It's a the special new idea. It's a new <laughs> Can we can we stick with the word Khidish? Is that fine? The Khidish the There is a word. It's Okay. The Khidish. Special new idea. S N I So so the Khidish of Kabbalah is 
that there's Hashem, there's creation, and there's something called godliness. And we'll discuss it tomorrow. What's that godliness? That's the 10th spirit. It's this whole blueprint, so to speak, of creation. Before creation actually comes down into a tangible effect, there's a blueprint. It's not God, but it's also not a creation. And we'll discuss it a little bit more tomorrow. But for now, what's relevant and important is that usually Hashem, Hashem deals with the world in a very orderly way. When it comes to the time of Yod Gimel Hashem's mercies are infinite. We can tap into the mercy of Hashem as it is in the source of all mercies, not as it comes down, channeled down here through layers and concealments and channels, but rather mercy at its source, Rachamim at its source. And this is a very, very, very powerful revelation. And we know that anytime there's a special revelation in the world, we respond. So on Shabbat, as we discussed, there's a special revelation that comes into the world on Shabbat. The world gets elevated and picked up from its mundane level to a higher level. And we respond by not working, by going to shul, by davening extra long, by having feasts, right? By having Shabbat meals, by sanctifying Shabbat. Same thing with Yom Tov, right? The world gets raised up to a certain level on the festivals. And therefore, we don't work, we go to shul, we have, right? We sanctify it with Kiddush and we have a festive meal. And so too, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the 10 days of awe in general, we raise ourselves up to that level. We pray harder, we have extra tefillot in our prayers. Um, we have Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We're raised up to this very, very high level. Why? Because the Yud Gimel Midot are revealed. The world has been elevated. The, the lights that are coming here are so powerful that we raise ourselves up to try and meet that. So the Altarabi's question is, if that's the case, and if it's true that the Yud Gimel Midot are also revealed in the month of Elul, which the, which the Arizal teaches us, why isn't the entire Elul a Yom Tov? How, if this, this tremendous revelation going on, Yud Gimel Midot Hashem's infinity channeled down into the world in a way that it remains infinite even down here. How can we just go to class, go to work, Right? Live our lives. Why is Elul not a Yom Tov? That's the big question of this Mimer. So until now we established why is Ani Ladodi Ladodi Li an acronym for Elul? Great. But now we have a question. If Ani Ladodi represents Elul, represents our own efforts without any grand gestures of Hashem and Hashem revealing himself as king, and, and then how can we say Yud Gimu are revealed? And if we are saying Yud Gimu are revealed, how is it that it's not a yontiv? How do we just continue with our lives when the world is raised to such a state where there's such revelations going on and we are just... What's the answer going to be? The king in the field. So we're going to get to that. The answer is going to be the king in the field. The king is in the field. Let's see this inside. See this question inside. Today is Tuesday. So I think Wednesday, tomorrow, we'll discuss a little bit about the Sfirot and we'll start talking about the king in the field. Okay, and that's what we're gonna, we're gonna continue with. Um, but I hope that this whole king in the field is gonna get a little more context because we hear all the time, the king is in the field. It's like, cool, sounds good, right? There's this story, I don't remember what his name was. Um, he was a macrobiologist and he was a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he once went to the Rebbe and told the Rebbe that he was going to be giving over this big conference on macrobiology. 
Um, and the Rebbe said, it's Elul. Make sure to mention that the king is in the field. <laughs> so he went the next day to his talk, and he's talking microbiology, and just kept on saying, and, and the king is in the field. Just kept on inserting it, because, in, oh, well, what's the connection? And after the, there were non-Jews there, not secular Jews. He said so many people came over to him afterwards. It's a really nice point. You know, the king in the field. Like, they, no one was like, what? <laughs> people were like, yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. That's so nice. It sounds nice to you. The king is in the field, right? What does that mean? <laughs> so that's what we're going to be. Uh, that, the whole, this, this is the king in the field mimer. This is the, this marshal didn't exist until the, the altar gave up this mimer in answer to this very important question of, what is Elul? Is Elul a regular month? Is Elul not a regular month? What do we do at this time? What does it mean that the Yudgim Umidot Rachamim are revealed now? So let's see that question inside. We are one, two, three. We finished three big paragraphs. Now we're up to Vehine. And Noda, it is known. So when we say it is known, it is known from the writings of the Arizal. Shebe Elul, that in the month of Elul, Huzman Hitgalut Yudgimu Midot Arachamim. It's a time of the revelation of the 13 attributes of mercy. Belahavinzan, we need to understand this. So if anyone wants to like highlight, this is the question. If this is the case, why is Elul what's called Yom Chol? Yom Chol means regular, mundane weekdays. We have Shabbat, but that's because we have Shabbat. But what, why is Elul a regular day? And it's not a festival. Like on Shabbat, the Yom yeah, what is it? The Yom Tov. Wow, okay. So flip the page. Yeah. 63 to 64. The Yom Tov. Why is it not a Shabbat? Or at least a festival. Shabahem hitgalut elokut. That on those days... Did you get it? Yeah. 64 on the right. We're saving lots of trees by going this way. Making up for the past three years where I would just... Don't ask. Print so much things. Which is a level of a special light of Hashem coming down into the world. Why do we have Shabbat? Because there's a special energy on Shabbat. So we, we go to meet that. Why do we have Yom Tov? Because there's a special energy. If there's the special energy in Elul, why is Elul not a Yom Tov? Or Bifrat, and specifically, the eight Uzman Yud Gimel Midot, at a time where the Yud Gimel Midot are revealed, where such a high level of Hashem is revealed that it's higher than Shabbat. It's higher than Yom Tov. Sheheim Harat El Yonim These are very, very lofty revelations. The Heimit Galim Yom Kippurim, and it's what's revealed on the day of Yom Kippur itself, the holiest day of the year. Ubavadai, and we know for certain Yesh Hefresh Gadol. So this is leading into a second question, sub question. There's a big difference between Yom Kippurim or between Elo between Yom Kippur. And Elo. So the main question is, so we have almost like three questions that come from this Chiddush of the Arizal. The first one is, where is the Ani Lododi if the Yod Gimomi Dotarachamim are revealed? Hashem is helping us. Hashem is shining. And we're working from our own efforts. That seems like a contradiction. Second question, and this isn't all explicitly said, the second question is explicitly said, if the Yodgim or Midot Rachamim are revealed in Elul, why is it not a Yom Tov? Why do we just, why is it a Yom Chol? And then the third question is, how can you compare Elul to Yom Kippur? Come on. We know there's a difference, right? I don't understand the first question. What is So we discussed at the beginning that what does Anilododi represent in Elul? 
that in Elul, we are working from our own initiative. We initiate the relationship. But now we're saying, wait, but Hashem is shining and shining and shining. That looks like Hashem's initiating. So who's initiating here, right? And then the next question is, why is Elul not a Yom Tov? Why is it a regular day if this great revelation is happening? And how can we compare Elul to Yom Kippur? Okay. So we'll continue tomorrow. Um... Um, I'll, I'm debating about the order I'll decide. Either we'll first go into the king in the field and then do the spherot, or we'll, we'll definitely get it in. You're here for, for Tishrei? You're here, for... um, you're here forever. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. You do what you got to do. Um, but it's, it is an important thing that we can establish. And, but I will say that we will continue to add on points as we learn my mom throughout the year to what we know, as Emily and Noah, who have been here before, know that we're always kind of referring back, learning new things, adding, but, um, but we'll discuss the basics of what this funny chart is on the wall, um, either tomorrow or on Thursday, depending on, I'll, I'll decide the order. Okay, so with that, we'll finish. We'll finish with the question hanging. Um, I hope that's fine. I'll, hopefully, it'll bring you all back tomorrow. And uh, see you tomorrow. Okay, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.